You are listening to the How to Talk to Girls podcast with me, Trip Kramer. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the How to Talk to Girls podcast. I'm your host, Trip Kramer from tripadvice.com. On today's episode, we have an interview. His name is John Anthony, and he's making quite the buzz right now on YouTube. John Anthony is a dating coach similar to myself. We're buds. He has a very similar background to me. I feel like me and him, we we kind of grew up in the same way when it comes to our our meeting women. Like our history of meeting women is is very similar. Just how we got started and how we got into being able to learn ourselves how to meet women, how to teach guys. There's a slight difference, which he's going to talk about. He had some pretty bad social anxiety, not just approach anxiety, but social anxiety. And he's going to tell his story today on how he got over it. He's going to tell you some tips on how to get over your social anxiety and your approach anxiety, all in the context also of cold approach, meaning meeting women in person, going out to bars, clubs, going to areas where there's women around during the day to approach. So he's going to give some good tips here and we're going to have a a great discussion. He also has an event coming up. I'm going to put the information for that in the show notes so you can check it out. You're going to learn more about that event here on the podcast and we're going to be talking about some really cool stuff. So why don't we just get into it today? Here's my interview with John Anthony. Check it out. What's up, John? How you doing, man? Hey, man. Good to be uh, back in touch. It was nice. I remember I was at like 2K subs on YouTube when you had me on the channel because I just hit a thousand girls and now I've come a long way to grow my my channel, but but good to be on your podcast for the first time. Yeah, man, for sure. Actually, maybe this is the first time you're on the podcast, but I think the interview that we did some years ago, I might have taken the the actual clip of that, like the audio and put it on the podcast. So technically oh, yeah. this might be the second time that you're, <laughs> that you're on the podcast, but either way, man, sure. it's uh, it's good to have you. So yeah, you're killing it. Your channel's blowing up. You're getting a lot of attention. Maybe give the guys a little background about you so they can get an idea of who you are and where you come from. Yeah, sure. So I come from a pretty analytical technical background. So I was a computer programmer. I was a systems engineer on nuclear missile defense for Lockheed Martin ballistic missile defense. I did that for about five years. I played professional poker. I used to compete in like StarCraft tournaments at a high level. Any any kind of game that had a strategy component, I was able to kind of dissect all the different pieces and optimize it. And, you know, always standing on the shoulders of all the greatest experts in the field and then trying to drive it as far as possible. And that's what I did for the seduction game. So once I started off, I read the book, The Game, like a lot of other people. And then I read the book, Mystery Method. And that was more of a tactical manual, as you know. And that really was fascinating to me that there could be a whole systematic and and methodological approach. And then I just did a whole bunch of kind of trying to connect with the best experts in the field and always try to find anyone better than me in the game over the years. And I I still do that. Anyone that's better than me at, at cold approach or at texting or at building their online profile, running dates, closing dates, retention, you know, getting hired guns or strippers, anybody that can show quantitative and and qualitative results that are better than mine. I want to find out how they're doing it and why it works. And so that's how I kind of evolved my 
results progression over the years. So it took me 10 years to the first 100 girls. And then it was about 100 to 150 per year. Uh, I hit 1,000 girls in December 2018. 100 was in June 2012. 1,000 was in December 2018. And then I actually hit 1,500, uh, 1,500 in June of 2022 of this year. And, you know, I live with my girl in Brazil. We have three dogs now. I'm not, you know, grinding out, trying to get new clothes all the time. We have a threesome rotation and I have my side rotation just for me as well. But this is by far my biggest passion in life. And it's just, you know, really satisfying to help a lot of guys quickly plug into an optimized system and and get these kind of results for themselves. Awesome. Awesome. Very cool. So today we're going to talk about approach anxiety. Do you think you have more experience with approaching women or with online or both? So where do you specialize in or where'd you even, I mean, you must've gotten started like I did, like in person approaching because online dating just wasn't as popular as it is today. You know, it didn't really start getting too big until like 2013 is when the apps started taking off and Tinder started getting traction. But where's your knowledge base mostly in? Um, yeah, so I like to see myself as a jack of all trades, but you're right. I started off with just pure cold approach. And I think we're, you know, some of a, a dying breed that was forced to get good at cold approach and forced yeah, to go do lots of cold 100%, approach. 100%. Yeah, we're the same there. Yeah, so I started, uh, like, my first night out ever doing Mystery Method was in February of 2009. And my first 400 girls were almost all night game cold approach. So, you know, and I think it requires a lot more work and a lot more skill to, to be able to put up, you know, numbers in cold approach. And I was out at the clubs at the peak of, of my cold approaching. I was out five, six, even seven nights a week. And I'm really grateful for that because I feel like cold approach, there's no substitute for honing in your calibration, how you can react to all the different scenarios, building thick skin for how you deal with rejections, also just leveling up your confidence and your character. And you just have so many different scenarios thrown at you. It kind of deeply builds your mental heuristics, so to speak, so that you can then deploy that in all other areas of the game. So I think getting good at cold approach makes dates easier and makes online game easier, texting easier, and, and it's going to allow you to carry yourself a lot better having gone through that experience and leveling up. So I used to think online game was cheating, to be honest. So even when Tinder started to get popular, I was like refusing to use it because I didn't like the fact that some guys could just be really good looking and get a result, whereas I had to use all these strategy and, and tactical elements. But I, I came around uh, not too long after and, and started to look at it as, at the end of the day, it's just about banging hot chicks. So the 1,500 plus, at the time of this recording, it's 1,534 girls. It was 400 for the, you know, mostly cold approach in the beginning. And then it's been a mix of online and, and mostly night game since then. Day game, I've gotten a bunch of closes, but it hasn't been a primary lead source, I think the bang for the buck is, is not there in terms of the time invested versus, versus the results it yields. Yeah. Why do you say that? If you're walking around the mall or the streets or something like that, there's, you're going to have a lot of downtime and there's going to be a lot of, you know, like, like in a nightclub, for instance, you can go from interaction to interaction with very little break, right? You can almost always be in, in set, so to speak. So when I go out to a nightclub, I can usually get 10, 20 numbers. If you're doing like five to 10 minute interactions over the course of four hours, you can pick up, you know, five numbers comfortably per hour. And, and so there's lots of nights where I would get 15 to 20 or even, even a little more, 25 sometimes 
from a night out. Whereas if I were to put that same amount of time into day game, even a lot of guys I know that, that spend a lot of time on day game, you're not getting that many good numbers per hour, right? Maybe one, maybe two. So the way that I, I tell my clients to behave and the way that I behave in practice is still get good at day game and be ready to approach any attractive girl you see during the daytime. But I don't really encourage them to go out for multi-hour sessions, you know, roaming the streets or the malls just because I think it's the, the return is, is just not there, right? In terms of the time invested. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're always, it's always about volume and you're just going to naturally get more volume at a bar, at a nightclub, because there's just so many more women there. Now I'm curious, when you first started, did you have approach anxiety? And if you did, how bad was it? It was pretty, pretty bad. I mean, I was, I remember I would have printouts of my opener list, my negs list, you know, the routines list. And I would just be trying to memorize, you know, at least reviewing all that stuff on the way out to do cold approach. And I'd literally want to be doing anything else. I was like trembling, you know, like the paper in my hand would be literally trembling because I grew up with social anxiety disorders, uh, general anxiety disorder, panic disorder. There were periods in my life in my teens where I was like getting, you know, debilitating panic attacks where I had trouble just being in public because, you know, I would feel more safe, like at home. I was playing a bunch of sports when I was a teenager. I was playing basketball and soccer and and baseball. And I, I would get anxiety or panic attacks when I was out on the field you know, during the games and stuff like that. So this was even uh, deeper than yeah. approaching anxiety. You had like, you had real social anxiety here. Yep. Any idea yeah. where that came from? I did a lot of research into this stuff because I, I read like probably 30 neuroscience, cognitive science books. And I think that some people just have, you know, chemical imbalances in the brain or just a highly sensitive fear circuit, right? With the amygdala, the fight or flight response. And some people just have that triggered in social scenarios and when there's no real danger, but it can cause your heart to start racing, adrenaline to pump through your body. And, you know, your body thinks that you need to fight or, or flee when in reality, there's, there's no real danger. Right. And I think approach anxiety has kind of like this biological primitive basis, right? Like mystery explains that it comes from tribal times that when we were maybe in a tribe of like 15 people, maybe half are females, and then some of those are too old or too young to reproduce. And so maybe you have like three options or something like that, three or four options. And his theory is that if you were to approach and be rejected, the other girls in the tribe would find out and you may never reproduce. Or alternatively, you could be killed if the girl was already taken because there was no law. So it was kind of a you know evolutionary you know, gun to the head in a, in a sense where it was kind of a big deal. And that no longer applies, as you know, in the, in the modern time where it's like unlimited options. Now, nothing terrible is going to happen if you get rejected, except maybe a little bruise of the ego. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's crazy too, because it's, it can get really difficult to psych yourself out of that. Like, you know, you know, you're not really going to get hurt, you know, nothing mm-hmm. actual in real life is going to happen. That's bad but yep. we still get frightened of it. But it sounds like you and, and, and myself included, but you were able to, to get over it. I mean, is that right? Were you able to fully get over your yep. approach anxiety? Yeah. So I liked mystery again. I, I, I credit him for a lot of stuff. I think that he had a lot of stuff really right. He says to look at it like a pebble in the shoe. So you acknowledge that it's there, but you train yourself to ignore it. And one of the most powerful tools to get yourself to ignore it is to follow the old school three second rule, right? So you see the girl and then instead of 
being overwhelmed by the biological response or coming up with a long list of negative outcomes, right? Like what if she has a boyfriend? What if she doesn't like me? What if other people over here, what if she insults me? What if I'm not her type, all this stuff, instead of sitting there and let these negative things pile up, which is in, in essence going to just either way lower the odds that the guy will go in in the first place, or if he does go in, he will be severely handicapped because he's going to be thinking about all these negative outcomes. Instead, with the three second rule, you see the girl, boom, you're on your way in and there's no time to succumb to the fear or to focus on, on a bunch of negative outcomes. Right. So I think training yourself and then also getting the empirical feedback of like, wow, a lot of girls are actually receptive. That helps you to overcome the fear. But I, I don't know if it can ever be fully eliminated because I think a lot of it is just triggered, like I said, biologically and automatically and even unconsciously. And you just have to ignore it and do it anyways, just like yeah. other other scary things in life. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for me, at least I can say is the approach anxiety it doesn't go away. It's not a hundred percent gone, but yep. what changes is how you deal with it. And yep. also the biological response, or you said like, I like how you said like high sensitivity, you're just not as sensitive to it. So it might be there, but then I'm able to turn it around in my head mm-hmm. and make it feel like excitement. So what's happening is yep. getting this rush of adrenaline and then how you interpret it is what you do with it, right? And so if you have enough yep. reference experiences of you being able to go out and you know meet women and feel comfortable and you've had some good experiences with it or just even experiences where even if they didn't go your way, you know, oh, that wasn't so bad. It's like you can call back to that pretty fast and remember, oh, this is not bad, just go. Yep, Exactly. And I think you can condition yourself and kind of reprogram your neural network in your brain instead of having this negative feedback loop where you see the girl and you, you succumb to the fear and the negative list that builds up. Instead, you, you start taking action and being, you know, keeping a positive mindset. And then once you start accumulating phone numbers and, and getting, you know, dates from, from the actions and stuff like that, that really helps encourage you for the future. And I think, you know, once guys have had these experiences where they, they really wanted to approach a girl and they, they almost chickened out, but then they went in anyways and the girl ended up becoming a girlfriend or on rotation for months. Those kind of experiences really, really helped me kind of solve it in a more permanent way. Because now whenever I see a girl and I, if I start to second guess myself, I think, well, you know, I could have that girl in my life for months. And if I don't go approach, then my odds of having her in my life are zero. Right. So it's, you, you have enough like missed opportunities or opportunities where you almost chickened out, but then you went in and it worked out very well to remind yourself that, you know, the worst case scenario of the girl not being interested or, or even insulting you isn't the end of the world. Right. And it's better to, to live, you know, trying and then, than to live in regret about what could have been. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's pretty cool. Now I'm curious what you have to say about people who maybe haven't had that positive reference experience yet. What about those guys who are still going on? Maybe they've done like 30 approaches and nothing really good has come of it. Either they've gotten rejected or they just get numbers that flake. How do we encourage those guys to keep pushing forward, even though they haven't been able to get to the point where a number has turned into anything? Yeah. So guys need to remember that this is a skill game, but also a game of volume, right? So you have to get a bunch more opportunities 
in order to be able to convert those. So I've noticed around the time I had a thousand girls, I noticed I had about 10,000 phone numbers in my phone. So I noticed that the close rate on my phone numbers acquired is 10%. So if a guy approaches, you know, 20, 30 girls or, or however many he needs to, to get 10 numbers, he should only expect one of those to close at a high level, right? So it's like a big funnel. I think a lot of guys have this unrealistic expectation that, every girl should like them or that most girls should like them. Or if that a girl doesn't like them, then that means there's something wrong with them or that that means they're not good enough. And so I try to explain to guys that not only is rejection part of the game, but you can never get around it. There's always going to be girls that have boyfriends or husbands that don't want to cheat. There's always going to be girls that are in in a bad mood or maybe they don't want to talk to anyone for whatever reason, or you're not their type or, you know, there's all kinds of things that are outside of your control. So I think, what I've seen with my clients is that once you equip them with an optimized system and game plan, that takes away a lot of the you know confusion and uncertainty. And then they can go forth and, and just execute having faith in the system. And they will start to see results with enough repetitions, right? Versus if the guy went in and he's not sure what he should be doing after he approaches, then it can start to become very frustrating because it's, it's almost like he's banging his head against the wall. He doesn't have any kind of thing to measure what he's doing against versus what he should be doing. Right. So I think an optimized system being aware that rejection is always going to happen and is part of the game and then doing a whole bunch of volume. That's kind of like the secret for success. Yeah, exactly. Very cool. Okay. So let's just start from the beginning here. Someone who has a really bad approach anxiety, how do we yep. get them started to start to overcome that fear? So I think guys need to set modest goals, right? I tell guys like, yeah, you should be getting 10 to 20 phone numbers in a nightclub, but when they're brand new, even getting one number is, is, is very hard, you know, in their mind and they, and it's outside of their reality in terms of what they're capable of. So I tell them to just set approach goals in the beginning. So I'm going to do three approaches. I'm going to do five approaches and it's going to be scary. It's going to be, you know, nerve wracking and so on and so forth. But I make them really force themselves. And once they go through and do it, you know, a a, a number of times, they're going to see like, okay, the world didn't end, right? Like life goes on, everything's still cool. Uh, They survived it. It's not that big of a deal. And especially once they start to hit some positive experiences and some positive reactions from the girls, that's going to encourage them a lot more. So, So when they approach a girl that's very receptive and smiles and is, you know, very interested and so on and so forth, which, which will inevitably happen, that's going to show them like, look, there is a light at the end of the tunnel here. That doesn't need to be so scary. But in terms of actually getting them to, to take action in the very beginning, I, again, like Mystery's proposal, he says, give your wingman $200. And for every approach you do, you get back $20. And it has to be like a legitimate approach. It can't just be like, oh, hey, hi, you know, just some quick like hello half-assed. It has to be a legitimate go up and try to speak to the girl. And so you're either doing 10 approaches or you're losing some amount of money. So that's a a much stronger motivator. And that's what helped me in the beginning, actually, because if you're like, okay, I'm going to do 10 approaches, there's no consequence if you don't, right? You can be like, oh, I'll do it next time. Or, you know, there weren't enough attractive girls here, or, uh, you know, I'm not in the mood today or whatever it is. If you do this game with the money thing, nobody really wants to lose money. Right. So people will force themselves to go and do it and they'll survive. And then it makes it that much easier the next time. Yeah. I've taken out clients to do that before. It's Mm -hmm. never failed. 
Yep. It, it pretty much worked hundred percent of the time. Another thing that I do <laughs> with clients too, is if it's virtual and I'm working with them virtually, mm-hmm. I will make them promise that they have to donate a large sum of money, maybe to, let's say the opposite campaign of who they voted for. So if they mm-hmm. voted, voted for Trump, they'd have to, you know, donate to the democratic campaign or vice versa, but it's gotta be an uncomfortable amount. It can't even be a hundred bucks. It's gotta be like over a thousand dollars, an amount yep. that makes them feel uncomfortable. And then I have them promise, of course, you know, I'm not going to force them to do it. It's kind of, they have to come into an agreement that if they don't do the set amount of approaches, they're going to have to do that. And it's also worth hundred percent of the time. I mean, I, I'm, it's possible. Maybe they lied to me, but from what I've been able to tell, they're not lying. Cause I did have a couple one time say I didn't do it. And I said, okay, let's try it one more time, but we're going to do double or nothing. And then guess what? They ended up doing it. So, yeah. So when you put yeah. that on the line, it works for sure. Yeah. And, and you know, you, I've even used more extreme analogies with clients, you know, pretty hardcore stuff saying like, imagine you had a gun to your head. Would you do the approach? Right. And they're like, yeah, of course. And it's like, okay, well, you know, try to picture it like that when you're out, you know, you would go and do it for sure. And, it, and it's not going to be the end of the world and it, it's going to be fine. Right. And that's where, that's where guys kind of, uh, they have to kind of see it to believe it. Cause I know how I felt in the beginning. I thought, you know, well, girls aren't going to like me I'm going to run out of stuff to say, I'm going to look stupid, this and that. But when you go forth I, in my first field report ever doing mystery method, I wrote like, wow, I feel like I have a superpower. You know, I feel like I'm, I'm fishing with dynamite, and, you know, this kind of stuff because I got makeouts and I got phone numbers and I had, you know, one girl was talking about doing like a naughty massage and, and just all kinds of stuff was happening that, that I totally never would have expected just by following, following a system. I mean, it's crazy, right? And that's the whole thing. Systems really solve a lot of these problems and make it so it work. So yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Yep. Well, let's dive even deeper. So what about guys who are scared to maybe escalate or flirt you know, once they get over the approach anxiety, kind of like that escalation anxiety, that flirt anxiety, what kind of advice do you give for, for that guy? Yeah. So I hear a lot of clients, you know, that a lot of guys hit that stage and they think the girl will react negatively. If they're physical, they think the girl will be offended if they tell a sexual joke. And I say, listen, like I have over 16,000 phone numbers in my phone. You know, I've been coaching this now for over 10 years. I help thousands of guys. Trust me, that they want you to make sexual jokes and that, and they're usually going to be receptive. And, and for whatever reason, if they're not, which will happen rarely, you can just say, Oh, sorry, I was just joking around. Right. Or if a girl reacts negatively to the guy being physical, he can always back off and apologize. Right. But I tell them that the girl is expecting that and they want you to do that. Right. So it's, it's just this kind of like mental roadblock where they think that, the girl can potentially react extremely negatively, but I'll like a live program. For instance, if I'm the coach, I will demonstrate like, look, see how the girls are reacting or that I can show them in infields, right? Virtually I can show them, look how the girls respond very positively. And the alternative is to potentially get friend zoned, right? If you don't make things sexual and you don't escalate physically, the girl can very easily just see you as a platonic friend, right? And nobody wants to be, in the friend zone. And just as a side note, we're running a three-day event on September 9th, 10th, and 11th. It's free to join. 
and we're going to be teaching guys how to get through their approach anxiety. I'm going to be giving my full system for night game and day game, as well as infield demonstrations. And the goal is to fully teach all of cold approach and get guys able to pull and take girls home from the club and get phone numbers regularly and, and completely solve their approach anxiety. So we're going to have a link in the description for anyone who wants to join that. And I highly recommend also looking at the VIP option, which is only 97 bucks, where you get access to a telegram chat where the coaches will be helping you in real time when you're out doing the approaches, basically like a virtual boot camp. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes so guys can ch- definitely check that out. That's great. Okay, cool. So how many approaches do you think you'd have to do to get over some of your approach anxiety or your flirtation anxiety? I think it differs for every guy, but I really think that there's kind of like a snowball effect. There's like a very positive feedback loop starts to generate. When the guy is going out regularly and he starts to get some positive reactions, that's going to give him more confidence and give him more motivation to keep moving things forward and doing more approaches. And as some of those phone numbers start turning into dates and then into hookups and turn and even potentially rotation girls, then he's going to, you know, he's going to have this whole snowball built up where now he knows what it can lead to. I think that's the most powerful proof is that once that, that approach turns into a phone number and then to a date and then to a hookup, then he sees the power of why he needs to be going in. And also I reframe their expectations. I tell them, you know, you're going to close 10% of your numbers. So when guys are texting girls and, and not all of them want to meet up or not all of them are responding, instead of thinking that they suck, they, they look at it more properly. Right. So it's hard to put a number on it. I've seen a lot of guys on boot camps get over it in the three days and like you said, it never really goes away. I was for a long time blunting it with alcohol. So for, for me, for about 15 years, almost every time I did cold approach, I would drink beforehand and that would cut my approach anxiety pretty much down to zero after a few drinks. I don't know if you've had that experience because some people react differently to alcohol, but that was like a surefire way for me to get rid of approach anxiety. I'll tell you my story. So what happened was before I got into learning how to meet women and approaching cold approach, all that, I was just, you know, a normal college kid. And then in my early twenties drinking on the weekends, cause that's what we did. Right. And then yeah. you drink to have fun, but also you drink for some liquid courage. My approach anxiety was yeah. so bad that, I mean, I can count on both of my hands, how many approaches I was able to do, even when I was drunk at any level, by the way, all the way from just like a little buzz to like wasted. And, and then when I would do the approach, it would just be so bad because I was drunk and I didn't even know what to do and I was still super nervous. So the alcohol yeah. didn't really help me. And so that's when I decided I want to learn this, but I want to learn it sober because I wanted it to be mm-hmm. a full superpower. Like you kind of mentioned that earlier, like a superpower, right? It kind of feels that way. So I wanted to do yeah. that. And one of the reasons why I wanted to do that, by the way, was because of the game. They did it sober. Or at least I remember he said something in the book about that. Like they weren't drinking. They weren't going out yep. to party with alcohol or drugs. They were going to learn how to meet women. So that inspired me. And so then I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. And of course, it was still a long process. It took me at least three months to get, I don't know, over 60 to 70% of my approach anxiety. So I still had a ways to go. But I went out sober and 
Then I started to train myself. This is, you know, coming off of college and early 20s where you're just partying all the time. I was able to train myself to have a good time and go to bars and nightlife without having to drink. It was incredible. So I loved that. I would just go there. And at that point, I was broke. So it's like, oh, great. Spend no money. Drink water. Feel amazing the next day. And then also be able to talk to women. It felt like a, a superpower. And what ended up happening, John, is like about a year into it, I was like, oh, well, you know, I, I want to have a drink now. Like, why not? Like, I, I haven't done that in a while. Like, why not? Let, let's have some fun. Let's like have a few drinks. And I remember I did that. And it wasn't like the approach anxiety came back, but in a way it kind of did because when I was starting to feel buzzed or intoxicated from drinking, I wasn't really able to feel in control which is what you don't feel when you're drinking, right? You feel very loose. And that mm-hmm. made my game really poor. So mm-hmm. it was as if drinking actually did, it brought me back to who I was before when I would go out and when I would drink. Mm-hmm. So then I decided, okay, drinking, if I ever want to do that again, it's more just going to be for fun. It's not going to, it will continue to not be used to meet women. So I don't know if you felt that, but... That And I never heard that happen to anyone else, but it happened to me. I just was able to yeah. really be more focused and better at meeting women when I was sober because that's like how I trained myself. Yep. Well, yeah, I think I trained myself with the alcohol, you know, for better or worse. Yeah, like a, I lot said, of, a lot of people do. Yeah. And I also had the the debilitating social anxiety and general anxiety. So I'd actually get a lot more confident when I would drink. I would get a lot more outgoing. And I remember very specifically, lots of times I would walk into a bar sober and I would see pretty girls and I would just freeze up from the approach anxiety. And then after having a couple of drinks, I would be able to walk up to anyone without even second guessing it. Even the same girls that were, were terrifying me earlier in the night. So I started relying on that, you know, like I said, for like 15 years in the game, but it started to, my drinking started to get like too out of control because when I was going out all the time and also drinking on dates and I was going on lots of dates, like I haven't had a, an office job since about 2013. As I started to be drinking all throughout the day, it, it started to become like a very bad habit. So I actually quit permanently. It'll be, it'll be coming up on three years and in like five days, it'll be three years that I didn't, haven't even had one drink. Dude, <laughs> snaps to you, man. That's freaking awesome. Yeah. Thanks. And what's interesting is I don't need it at all. Like, and I think my game's stronger without it because as you said, like you can get sloppy, you can kind of just act stupid in some cases. It's, it's removing a lot of the, you know, decision-making when you drink, it's, it's cutting down a lot of on the decision-making processes and the stuff in the prefrontal cortex. Yeah, your, your reflexes are worse. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and also that, you know, with, with, with gaming sober all the time, I'm also more even keel. So my day game got a lot stronger. Like during all that drinking period, when I would see a girl during the daytime, lots of times I'd be like, oh, if only I saw her in the club and I had a couple of drinks, right? Or there'd be scenarios where like there was this really hot pharmacy worker. She was like a pharmacist or whatever and at CVS. And I, I had talked to her like four different times, like totally sober. And then I came in one day after I had been at like a pool party and spoke to her after some drinks and I got her number and I ended up banging her and she went on rotation for a while. 
but I think it was just a mental limitation where I was like, I have to have alcohol to be able to, to do this well. And since I quit drinking, it's like, I don't need drinks to like, you know, get me to any kind of level to be able to go and do the approaches in the game. So it's a lot more, uh, I guess, consistent where I can deploy it anywhere. Whereas before I, I kind of felt like I needed some level of alcohol to be able to, to do things at a high level. So that's been pretty liberating and also not having to wake up, you know, hung over every day and stuff like that and being able to think more clear and, and so on and so forth. So I, I do think there are some benefits for some guys that it can cut their approach anxiety down, but there's all these other uh, negative side effects that we talked about. And, and I don't think guys should, should have to rely on it, you know, by any means. Yeah. It's funny too. Cause you mentioned something earlier reminded me, it's like, I didn't want to be that person during the day to have to go over mm-hmm. and then like, well, I go in my car and take a shot. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's not sustainable. It's not practical to only yeah. have to be able to rely on that or anything. I even go as far, and this is really extreme. I don't think that any guy really has to do this, but even go as far as like no caffeine, no Red Bull, like fully, fully sober. Just so if you ever have a moment where you're not caffeinated, not drinking and you're in your just most natural state, you'll still have the ability. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's good because I've seen guys get dependent on, you know, either drugs or or alcohol in the game. And that really limits you because there's plenty of times you're not going to be on that substance where you're going to need to deploy your skills at a high level. Right. So it's kind of liberating, like I said, because now I can, approach people anywhere, anytime, or, uh, go on dates and, and, you know, run them perfectly fine without having to, to do a whole bunch of shots or anything like that. But I also like evolved as a person over that 15 years, I became a lot more extroverted. I became a lot more confident and I, you know, the quality of girls went way up and stuff like that. So I don't know how much alcohol facilitated me getting to the level that I'm at. I, I look at it sometimes almost like that movie limitless, where he's like taking that substance to unlock his brain. And then towards the end of the movie, he's like, Oh, I don't even need it anymore. He's like, I'm off of it. And his brain is like permanently changed. Right. So (laughs) I don't know if it's like that, or or maybe I didn't need it at all. And I just thought I did, but either way, I'm, I'm happy to have gotten rid of that because it's not any way to, to live, to have to be uh, dependent on that. Yeah. And and speaking to that, I was just going to mention this anyways, how awesome was it? when you got over the approach anxiety and all of a sudden without even knowing you just started to become more confident in all these different areas of your life. It just happened to me. I was just more confident. I wasn't always, you and I have a very similar story. I think the only difference, I didn't have that intense social anxiety like you did. Like it wasn't Mm -hmm. debilitating. It was only just around women. Okay. Mm -hmm. But when I was able to get over the approach anxiety, I felt 10 X more confident in work with friends, with meeting strangers, yep. with, with, I don't know, family matters, just like anything. I just felt more comfortable. I felt because of that superpower, just built my self-esteem up to the point where I felt even more gregarious in all situations outside of trying to meet women. And that was yep. what really made it and made me realize how much of a superpower it really was because it went deeper mm-hmm than just cold approach. Yep. Yeah. I think that's why the game is, you know, one of the most rewarding things 
that guys can can go through because it really levels up how they're able to handle all the rest of life, right? Even even getting comfortable with who you are and being able to set boundaries with friends and family. You start to carry yourself differently and it can happen pretty quick, right? Like I get a lot of clients. I have like an eight-week program in clients. By towards the end of it, they're like, I'm getting more respect at work and from my family. You know, my, my friends are, are looking at me differently. I, I, my friendships are stronger. People just start carrying themselves differently. Yeah. So it, it really does bleed over into all these other areas of life, which is, which is terrific, especially having started off ultra introverted. Like I, I was at the level, it's not necessarily that, you know, that I was like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't go into public all the time. There was, there was just certain events, you know, where I would get very stressed, but I was soft spoken. If, if I got called on in class, I would turn red. Um, I would sit with like the two other smartest guys in school, like as a senior, and it would just be like the three of us debating like philosophy and science and stuff like that. And, and day trading stocks at the library. It was like before there was internet on the phones and all that. And it was like a pretty nerdy existence. Like I was playing video games all the time, but I, I always felt like I was kind of on the outside. Like I wasn't, I wasn't like the life of the party. You know, I didn't have a lot of friends. I was very, very shy and things really started to change once I started doing approaching and, and once I started actively hooking up with lots of girls and stuff like that. And it just kind of builds and builds. And I'm, I'm even a lot more comfortable in who I am and, and confident now than I was maybe like three or 400 girls into the game. I feel like it's like a continuous evolution process. So it's, it's really nice. Like as, as you get older uh, and more grounded and, and who you are, what you bring to the table. What I tell my clients is like, put forth your best self, you know, try to maximize your sexual market value and your skills in the game, and then put forth your best self and then let the chips fall where they may. And there'll be plenty of girls that resonate with who you are and that want to be a part of your life. And there'll be plenty that don't. And once you stop trying to get everyone to like you and just, you know, I think the purpose of all these dates is to go and find the best girl or the best girls. And then that's who you choose to spend your time with. But there's going to be plenty of, you know, girls that, that, that don't like you or that, or that you don't connect with or whatever. And that's totally normal. That's, that's going to be the case for every guy. Yep. hundred percent, hundred percent. So let's do this. Let's talk to the guys right now who are listening, who have just really debilitating approach anxiety. Give them a little homework assignment or a little recipe that they can do after listening to this, this podcast episode that they can do to start this process for themselves. Okay. So I think guys should get a range of experience both between bar and club approaching and also approaching during the daytime. So the best environments to approach in are going to be what they refer to in the game as target rich, where there's the most people. So try to find the biggest bar or club in your city and preferably go on a Friday or Saturday and then just try to do at least five approaches. Okay. Try to think of your mindset as a hundred out of a hundred. Think of your value as a hundred out of a hundred. I tell guys, if you have trouble realizing your own worth or value, make a list of your cool experiences, hobbies, interests, skills, and accomplishments. And then that can quickly help you realize different unique aspects you bring to the table. Then when you go out, follow the three second rule. So when you see that pretty girl, don't stand there and build up a list of negatives and deflate your confidence. Instead, just assume it's going to work out well and force yourself to go in within three seconds. And then you would do the same thing for daytime approaching. Uh, a good place to try that out would be somewhere like the mall 
and you could go maybe on like a Sunday where there's more people. And again, as you're walking and you see a pretty girl, you have three seconds, boom, you go in and then just smile and introduce yourself, right? It doesn't necessarily need to, you know, need to run like a perfect interaction, right? You just need to get over that fear of walking up to a stranger and, and starting a conversation. So the major pillars I tell guys on the open is to have eye contact, speak loud enough, especially in a nightclub so she can hear you and speak with commanding vocal tonality, right? So instead of, hi, I wanted to meet you or hello, can I meet you? You're speaking kind of dominant with downward inflection. Hey, what's up? I wanted to meet you. What's your name? And also square up your body language and just shake the girl's hand, introduce yourself. And that is a win right there. You've successfully opened the interaction and, and the girl's going to be receptive some of the time. And if you don't get a good response, if you get a negative reaction or a rejection, don't take it personally. Realize that that's part of the game and go on to do the next one without being affected, right? Which is easier said than done, but try to remember that it even happens to the best guys in the world at this. Awesome. Awesome. I like it. Good advice. Yeah. I like it because even that is a win. The win is the approach, not the outcome of the approach, Yep. which is what I like to say. And then you can build yourself up towards being able to then continue conversation and flirt and work on all the other stuff. I think John, a lot of guys just get overwhelmed. You know, they, they, they listen to this podcast. Like I'm, this happened to me. I remember like reading mystery method and all that stuff. And there was so much going on yep. that it was the, the sheer amount of, of work I felt like I had to do was what overwhelmed me and gave me the more anxiety. Right. It's like, yep. oh, I got to do this. I got to open an eye contact. I got to look and all these little techniques and tricks. And it was just too much. Yep. So. Yeah. So I, I like to kind of simplify it all as much as possible. So when I train guys on the system, I am giving them a high level structure. I show them how to vibe properly, how to sexualize the conversation, how to ask logistical questions to determine her situation, how to sexualize both verbally and with physicality so you don't end up in the friend zone and how to go for the number or try to take her home and answer objections from there. So I simplified as much as possible because yeah, I relate to that as well. I felt like mystery went a little too complex and, and made it a little too complicated with details. And that's true of very many systems out there. Even today, I think that a lot of these systems overload guys heads with just tons of information and in practice, the client gets out to the bar or club and he's got a hundred different things going at once and it takes him out of the present moment. He's thinking, when should I do this trick or when should I do this technique or, you know, is it time to do this? And that can really mess the guy up because it doesn't allow him to flow naturally. Instead, he's focused on all these different techniques that he thinks he should be doing. Yep. And then he just doesn't do anything. <laughs> then he just yep. becomes uh, analysis paralysis, as they say, right? So Exactly. Cool, man. Awesome. Well, dude, thanks for being on and thanks for sharing some of your story and in your experiences and also yeah, some of sure. your tips. Uh, again, where can guys find you if they want to find you? Of course, we're going to put those links in the show notes so they can join your event coming up here soon. But where else uh, would you like to lead them to? So I have a YouTube where I give away lots of free advice called John Anthony Lifestyle. And we have TikTok and Instagram. If you just go to the link in YouTube for any of those videos, the description, it'll have the links to my TikTok and Instagram. 
And like uh, Trip was saying, we have a three-day event, September 9th, 10th, and 11th. We are literally giving my full cold approach system. There's nothing held back. It's not a watered-down version. It's going to be a virtual boot camp where I train you on A to Z, everything that I think there is to know about cold approach across three days. It is a free event for general admission. The $97 VIP upgrade gets you access to a team of world-class coaches, including myself, to answer your questions when you're out and about doing the approaches at the club. And it gives you a bonus day and, and lifetime access to all the trainings and stuff like that. But check out the link in the show notes for more details there. And again, yeah, thanks for having me on. There's not many legit guys in the space, so it's always nice to connect with guys that uh, are giving real advice. Yeah, man. Thanks. I appreciate it. Appreciate it a lot. Well, thanks for coming on. Thanks for doing this. And uh, per usual, man, we'll, we'll be in touch and we'll talk soon. Sounds good, brother. Thanks a lot. Thanks.